You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking wildfire news and a clear sign the situation is heating up in this province. An evacuation order has been issued for the town of Tumbler Ridge. Richard Zussman joins us with more. Richard, this seemed to come out of nowhere today. What do people need to know? Yeah, the Kiskatnau River fire, Sophie, was detected just two days ago, and it has grown incredibly fast in those two days. And now, as you mentioned, there was an evacuation order in place in Tumbler Ridge around a community of 2,400 people. They are being asked to evacuate and head to Dawson Creek. But now there's only one way out of town. 52 East has been shut down in both directions because the fire is close by. Highway 29 is the only only way out of Tumbler Ridge. People are told to go to the Oventive Event Center in Dawson Creek or the District Town Hall in Chetwin when they evacuate to get support. Uh, this is a fire season that has started early. It is problematic and will likely continue to get much worse. It's the latest sign of a devastating wildfire season in BC. The Dawning Creek fire burning out of control. Legitimate worries from emergency management officials. This could be the worst wildfire season this province has ever seen. Variables are lining up in such a way that if we don't see significant precipitation, significant rain uh, happen across the province, that we will be carrying hazards. Right now, 82 fires are burning across BC. More hectares of land have burned already in 2023 than in each of 16 of the past 20 years. And the forecast is grim. A potential short reprieve with rain next week, expected to be replaced by more dry and hot weather. Now is the time to understand the hazards that you face in the regions that you live in and to prepare yourselves, your family, your home and community for any potential fires. We had a very dry spring across the province. It was the hottest May on record. The spring has been so warm, 16 municipalities in BC experienced their hottest May ever. Some of those records dating back to the 1800s. The snowpack has almost entirely melted, leading to additional fuel for fires to engulf, coupled with projections for strong winds and increased lightning. When we put the three of those together, it, it's, it's a very challenging uh, fire season outlook. Um, high elevations are currently uh, snow free, and so we are expecting that lightning season will start earlier. In fact, we're already seeing early signs of that. A lack of rain in May and now June has compounded the heat issue. The lack of precipitation shown in these maps makes July and August a concern, meaning even if there is a little rain, it would be just drops in an empty bucket. And let me show you a little bit about what that fuel is, Sophie. So you can see how dry it is, so many parts of the province, that it just sort of comes straight out of the ground. And as it moves around, the fire can spread very, very quickly through wildfire or forest. And that is what have experts so concerned, not just about the next few weeks, but the entirety of the summer as they brace themselves for a very challenging season. All right, Ed, looking pretty grim. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But as you say, the signs are there. Uh, yet another example of the seriousness of the situation so early on in the season. As of noon today, the BC Wildfire Service has banned campfires. Jennifer Palma joins us with more on where that ban is in place and the penalties. Jen. 
Sophie, a campfire ban is in place for most of the province, but for campers here at Golden Ears Park, it means that a camping tradition is being put out. Celebrating grad with friends and a camping trip, but in this wide open space, there's no room for fire. What do you think of the campfire ban? Stops fires. <laughs> so that's a plus. It's kind of necessary. And just the amount of man-made fires there are. In, in BC is like huge. The warm, dry weather setting up a tense situation in BC campgrounds and forcing the province to enact what's believed to be one of the earliest campfire bans we've seen, especially in the south coast. Last year, it didn't happen until early August. The only other years with June bans, 2015 and 2021, but that was at the end of the month. But I believe this is the earliest we've seen essentially a, a provincial-wide campfire prohibition come in this early. We're obviously putting this prohibition on for a reason. The conditions are such that we believe we really cannot afford to have human-caused fires. The red regions are where the campfire ban is enacted. It's known as a Category 1 open fire, and it's the latest tool the BC Wildfire Service is using to try and keep wildfires from threatening communities and eating through the landscape. This following a ban this past May on larger fires, the service saying the bans are in place to also preserve resources. The forecast right now is that all of Canada will see hotter and drier conditions for the summer months. So what that means is there'll be less opportunity for us to lean into our partner agencies, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, etc., to have support to fight fires that are in BC. Campers we spoke with are trying their best to keep flames away. At this campsite, the only reading by the fire is by an empty fire pit. First week of June, second week of June is super early. So we'd already committed. We thought we're going to get one good night. We'll have one really good fire on the first night and then... You know, we'll we'll sit around the barbecue tonight. So <laughs> it's going to be, you know, it is what it is. It's part of camping in BC. The open fire ban will be in place until October 31st. If you are found breaking it, there is a fine of $1,150 that you could be facing. Now, if you are convicted in court, that fine could go up to $100,000 and or a year in jail. Sophie, back to you. All right, thanks for that. Jen Palma reporting live for us tonight. Well, despite the dangerous conditions, the Cameron Bluffs fire on Vancouver Island has not grown significantly in the past 24 hours. That fire has forced the closure of Highway 4 since Tuesday. The main road linking Tofino, Euclid and Port Alberni with the rest of Vancouver Island. It is now mapped at 180 hectares with fire activity just meters from the roadway. A crew of 60 firefighters with heavy equipment is on scene with five helicopters and multiple air tankers also attacking the blaze. Now there is a long detour for those stuck behind the highway foreclosure, but it's far from ideal and has prompted concern about potential supply problems. As Kylie Stanton reports, after a rocky day Wednesday, Port Alberni's mayor is assuring people that food and fuel are getting into town and store shelves are being restocked. Tires need air at the end of a long journey as travelers let out a sigh of relief. We did see some people kind of gunning it. We saw people who were crashed into the side of uh, an embankment. It was a steady stream of traffic Thursday as people made their way through the long detour connecting Port Alberni, Tofino and Euclid to the rest of Vancouver Island. It's pretty rough, a uh, lot of washboarding. The four-hour workaround is allowing crews to continue to fight the Cameron Bluffs wildfire. 
now 180 hectares, shutting down Highway 4 with no word on when it will reopen. I know that this is a concerning time. Please know that this closure is temporary. Still, it sparked concerns about what the closure might mean for the supply chain. Yesterday, we certainly saw, you know, panic in the community in terms of people filling jerry cans at the gas station and, um, you know, buying excessive amounts of groceries. And um, our, our message to our community today has really been like, please stop that. Grocery store chains saying the trucks are getting through on the alternate route. And while there was an initial delay, food and medicine are now arriving on time. Gas trucks have also managed to adapt. We're feeling a lot, a lot more relieved today as we start to see those goods come into the community. There is another route around the fire, locally known as the Horn Lake Connector a logging road owned by Mosaic Forest Management. But despite calls from the public to open up access, officials say it's not an option. This is a singling road. It uh, only enables traffic to get through if it's piloted. The other alternative is to avoid the roads altogether. Pacific Coastal has added flights to its schedule, trying to accommodate the uptick in passengers. Our team continues to assess uh, the demand uh, of the flights as well as the closure of Highway 4 and uh, we'll continue to monitor, it, monitor the situation and add flights as needed. Flights will be the only way out for eight hours on Friday. The detour will be closed between 1 and 9 p.m. in order to recover a vehicle. Drive BC tweeting, delay travel if possible. Just another major bump in the road. Kylie Stanton, Global News. And senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more. This certainly ramped up quickly, Christy. It sure did. I mean, that's what happens. You think of it as more than a month that we've had substantial rain. And then with this sort of last surge in heat that we saw, yeah, this is the result. We've got a lot of red across the map indicating an extreme fire danger rating. Now, uh, thankfully, we do have a little bit of rain in the forecast, but it's just that, a little bit of rain. Now, the timing of this rain pushing in is a little uncertain. The computer models are not in agreement. Nonetheless, we are expecting it across the south coast and particularly for areas in through the Okanagan Valley, southeastern portion of the province. We'll see a little bit of rain up towards Temple Ridge, but minimal amounts. And Sophie, this is really only a two-day event. And then we're back to hot, dry conditions beyond that. All right, Christy, thanks for that. Well, the fast work of firefighters is being credited with helping to prevent a wildfire in the Fraser Valley. Just after 10 this morning, a tour bus carrying elementary school students caught on fire along Vetter Mountain Road in Chilliwack. The bus was on its way to Cultus Lake. The fire sending a huge cloud of dark smoke into the air. and The flames quickly spread to a nearby hedge and shed. Everyone is okay and crews managed to contain the fire before it spread to a nearby forest. The fire did knock out power to about 2,000 BC Hydro customers and caused major traffic delays. Now, the ongoing crisis at Surrey Memorial. The opposition leader toured the beleaguered hospital today, calling on the government to speed up its timeline for action. Kevin Falcon says it was politics that made the health minister act. But as Aaron MacArthur reminds us tonight, hospital care in Surrey has been an ongoing issue long before the NDP took power. The ongoing crisis at Surrey Memorial Hospital, well documented. Doctors, nurses, Fraser Health and the government have all weighed in. The provincial opposition, BC United, were given a behind the scenes look at the current state of care. Leader Kevin Falcon has concerns. Entire hallways filled with patients with no dignity, no privacy. 
The BC United Party is urging Health Minister Adrian Dix to expedite the timeline on better care in Surrey. In addition to the second Surrey hospital greenlit by the NDP, Dix on Wednesday promised a laundry list of upgraded services at Surrey Memorial. Measures that come too late for the opposition. When Adrian Dix comes here and talks about changes 18 months from now, not acceptable. The NDP have now been in power for two terms, okay? They're in their sixth year of government. And only now they've decided that this is a crisis. According to the health minister, funding for Fraser Health as a whole suffered under years of liberal government cuts. We've seen very significant increases since 2017, but we were dramatically below healthcare inflation year after year after year in the 10 years prior to that. Access to healthcare in Surrey has been an issue going back several governments now. Land that was set aside here in Panorama Ridge for a second hospital was deemed surplus and then sold off by the BC Liberals. The finance minister at the time, Kevin Falcon. Falcon has maintained the redevelopment at Surrey Memorial was in the region's best interest. Although admitting in hindsight the project wasn't big enough in scope and promising to fast track a second tower if elected. We have to get beyond the announcements and the re-announcements. That's what we've been getting from this government. Every time there's a crisis, they go make another announcement. More equipment and new buildings are only one part of the solution. Finding people to work in the expanded facilities is something BC United says it will have more information on in the coming weeks. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, there is concern today for a tri-city couple who've gone missing. 25-year-old Keisha Stack and 27-year-old David Wisniewski were last seen in Port Moody on the morning of May 25th. They were reported missing by family this past Tuesday. The two are known to frequent the tri-city area. If you know where they are, you are asked to contact police. Several search and rescue teams are in Lions Bay looking for a missing hiker. Michael, too, was reported missing after not returning from Mount Harvey. He last made contact with his family just before noon yesterday at the summit. Two was last wearing dark pants and a red burgundy jacket. SAR teams from Lions Bay, Squamish and Coquitlam have been deployed looking for the 29-year-old Vancouver man. It seems like he's fairly new to the sport, but he's got very good gear. He's very well organized. He keeps good tracks of all the searches he goes on. He, he puts them on social media. So he seems to be a careful and well-organized person with good equipment. If you saw two on the trail, you are asked to contact Sea to Sky RCMP. Sticker shock at the gas pump. Two dollars, too much. My God, everything expensive now. What's driving the increase and how it's only the beginning? Next on the News Hour. A wrong way driver narrowly missing several other vehicles on a busy highway. How this happened later on the News Hour. Plus. Heads up, it's dive bombing season and angry birds are taking aim. That's still to come tonight. Right now, though, the price of gas is once again set to top $2 a litre in Metro Vancouver, and it's not stopping there. As Janet Brown reports, the price of the pump could spread to just about everything else we buy.
Enjoying things now is not, you can't really afford to enjoy anything now. I'm working for rent, groceries, and gas. That's pretty much it. The price at the pump went up four cents Thursday morning to $1.97.9 a liter and is bumping up another seven cents Friday morning to 204.9. That is the most we have paid in Metro Vancouver since last November. At uh, pretty high capacity and uh, demand is uh, extraordinarily strong. So that's really what's behind this. It is not welcome news for motorists gassing up. Well, but this price is tough. Tough, especially like a $200 uh, fuel bill every time you fill up. I don't like it. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think it's a cash grab by uh, a lot of the big oil companies. The BC Trucking Association says any increase in the price of gas is always downloaded onto consumers, so expect prices at grocery stores, for example, to take another leap. Whenever you see a cost on that pump price, it's a lot more than what you put in the tank. It gets embedded throughout our economy and consumers pay. And even if you don't own a vehicle and get around by other means, you'll be impacted too. Beside all the uh, negative impact the taxi industry had from the COVID-19 as well as ride hailing, uh, these type of the expenses we can't escape. Back at the pumps, there is a rush to gas up before the prices jump yet again. Don't make me crazy. <laughs> That's why I gas up right now. I don't want to pay more higher than this one. Two dollars, too much. My God, everything expensive now. Last uh, you know, six months, we never go out for the restaurant eating because uh, everything is too expensive. And the outlook for the summer months? McTague says prices could hit two twenty a liter. Janet Brown, Global News. Veteran mediator Vince Reddy is stepping into the ongoing Fraser Valley transit strike, trying to help bring the two sides to a resolution. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this move. Keith, talk about Reddy's appointment as a mediator. Of course, he brings so much experience, but what's going to happen next? Yeah, they call him the miracle worker, and for good reason. Vince Reddy has brokered an end to all sorts of disputes over his decades-long career as BC's number one mediator. Most recently, he ended that lengthy, more than three-month, three-and-a-half-month strike of transit on the Sea to Sky uh, network. Uh, that's his latest venture. Now he's brought into Fraser Valley, and it's done under the Labour Code. He's a special mediator. Uh, that is actually defined in the Labour Code, and there are specific powers at his disposal, uh, also uh, in terms of being determined by the Labour Minister Harry Baines announcing it today. So here's how it's going to work with Vince Reddy at the table now. The two parties are now entering 10 days, up to 10 days of mediated talks. He's going to be shuttling back and forth between the two parties. He can issue recommendations for a settlement if no deal can be reached between the two parties. And then both sides have five days to either accept or reject his recommendations. The clock is ticking. That 10 days began today, Sophie. The first meeting has already occurred between Mr. Reddy and the two parties. So it's up to 10 days of talks. Perhaps they'll get a deal sooner than that. All right, what happens if one side rejects Vince Reddy's recommendations? Mm -hmm. Could the government legislate an end here? It could, but I highly doubt it. It would need the legislature to come back here. The NDP has a philosophical opposition to imposing a back-to-work legislation. The Supreme Court of Canada has expressed reservations about the constitutionality of that type of legislation. My money is on Vince Reddy working his magic. He literally locks the two sides into a room and basically refuses them to uh, permission to come out, if it were, until they get a deal. We've seen that happen before. I remember he resolved that very contentious BC Teachers Federation strike some time ago.
by employing that type of tactic. Basically locking them in, stapling their feet to the ground, don't come out until a deal is reached. I think he's going to be successful here as well. I'm seeing parents employ that tactic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Keith. Right. Coming up, a big developer feeling the pinch. Given everything that we've been through, we just asked to see if we could defer the final installment of CAC of 10 million bucks. The impact of increasing costs on a major high-rise high project near Stanley Park. Plus, it's just, it's just sad. Alleged hate crimes in hope, the troubling attacks as the community celebrates its first Pride Festival. Traffic is nice and steady in both directions over here tonight at the Patello Bridge, but do keep in mind you will have some lane closures for northbound traffic later on for some ongoing road work. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. Hope is the latest community, be, community rather, to be targeted by a series of hate crimes. RCMP are investigating after someone threw a rock through the window of the Hope Community Services Building and tried to set fire to the pride flag hanging in the window. And just hours after it was created, a rainbow crosswalk was spray painted with offensive comments. The incidents happening during Hope's very first pride festival. It is troublesome because this, uh, we also run the food bank, so all the cost to repair this and everything is actually will bring money, it's money from the food bank that we're not going to have now. I think what has come from it, the rapid response of high school students who came out to fix that crosswalk, they were out there at quarter to eight, quarter to nine, sorry, this morning. The fire and window damage means the Hope Community Services Office will be closed for several days to allow for repairs. A major BC developer is asking the city of Vancouver to delay a big payment, saying economic conditions have changed dramatically since its project was approved. As Negar Moshtehedi reports, some analysts say this could be just the beginning. This is uncharted territory for Vancouver real estate. Unfortunately, I think this may well be the sign of things to come. Major developer Anthem Properties requesting a delay in paying $10 million to Vancouver City Hall for community services and amenities. We're all ready to go and then the Ukraine war came and that, you know, created supply chain disruption and inflation. And given everything that we've been through, we just asked to see if we could defer the final installment of the CAC of 10 million bucks until, uh, you know, for 10 months or something like that. Real estate experts say this could have a significant impact on the future of development, blaming high interest rates and construction costs. What I find concerning as a developer and real estate consultant is how significant the interest rates have increased over the last two years. This is the site in question. It used to be a Chevron gas station located on West Georgia and Bidwell Street. Which other developers, which other sets of developers are going to be facing these kind of challenges? Anthem, not the first developer adapting to rising interest rates. The creditor protection of Coromandel, I think, really touches upon, I think, the changing development environment, that uh, the development environment that we were even just two years ago has changed significantly. The director of Simon Fraser University City Program, Andy Yan, says the situation raises an important public policy question. It's, it's interesting to note that uh, would these types of courtesies be passed on to a homeowner or a renter? Uh, 
if they were facing uh, similar financial difficulties. As for Anthem's request, Vancouver City Council will be considering it next week. If uh, some flexibility can be provided on timelines, that's one consideration. Experts urging the public to take note. I think we'll ex we can expect to see dozens of projects that have been approved simply not proceeding. Nagar Moshahedi, Global News. And coming up, we'll have a live update on the evacuation of Tumblr Ridge due to a nearby wildfire. Plus, a warning from conservationists. It is a horror show relating to what the impact will be specifically on a pink salmon year. Why they say the province's plan to remove gravel from the Veta River couldn't come at a worse time. Plus, close call on the Pat Bay Highway. What happened to this wrong way driver next? steady in both directions here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but again, you're going to find delays during the overnight hours for southbound traffic for expansion joint replacement. Contact Kermac for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermac Cares for Kids. Kermac is celebrating year, 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Returning now to our top story, breaking news of the evacuation of Tumblr Ridge due to a wildfire threatening that community. Our Kamal Karamali joins us live in studio with the latest on the situation. And Kamal, you've spoken with the mayor just a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Sophie, the mayor saying the evacuation so far is going as smoothly as can be expected. Roughly 2,400 people in that community forced to leave their homes after the nearby wildfire has now become a threat to human life, growing to nearly 10,000 hectares inside in size rather. Now there's concern tonight of how residents can get out of the area tonight when the West Kaskatna fire has already made one of the highways out inaccessible. The wildfire has jumped Highway 52, leaving the only route out Highway 29 to Chetwin, where there is a reception center waiting for evacuees. Now the mayor of Tumbler Ridge, which is just southwest of Dawson Creek, says the flames are inching closer to the community now now less than two dozen kilometers away. BC Wildfire Service says strong gusts are playing a major role in the spread. The evacuation order uh, covers the district itself and an additional 55 rural properties nearby. The mayor also says so far most people have been leaving in an orderly fashion. What I seen when I came into town or people are realizing that the evacuation order had come. And, you know, you see people at the gas station, but people aren't flying around town and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I appreciate the, the residents' response on, on the order. And, yeah, to me, I don't think there's panic. I mean, I, I think they understand that, you know, the order is there and that the time is now to evacuate. And as you can imagine, another concern is pets and livestock. There are nearby farms that are opening up their stables to horses and other farm animals. And obviously, Sophie, no word yet in these early hours of the evacuation on when these concerned residents will be able to return, just hoping their homes will still be there when they get back. Of course. All right. Thanks for that. Kamal Karmali reporting live for us tonight. Some dangerous and frightening driving caught on camera on Vancouver Island this week. Driver Batista Salem recorded this video while driving along the busy Pat Bay Highway into Sydney. Take a look at the red car going the wrong way in the southbound lanes. Salem says the driver entered at an off-ramp and hit the median several times while trying to avoid oncoming vehicles. Sydney North Saanich RCMP says it has identified the driver and charged them under the Motor Vehicle Act.
A battle has broken out over the B.C. government's plans to remove gravel from the Vetter River in the Fraser Valley. As Paul Johnson reports, conservationists say the Environment Ministry is planning it for the worst possible time. It has historically been one of the really rich spotting areas for pinks. With its clear, mountain-fed water and abundant gravel and rock, the Veta River in Chilliwack supports one of the region's best pink salmon runs. But change may be on the horizon. I wanted to drop to the ground. I was shocked. Dean Work and Marvin Rosenauer are reacting to plans by the provincial government to remove a massive amount of gravel from the riverbed. Gravel that is spawning habitat for pink salmon and would be dug out just months before those fish arrive from the ocean. Outside of the Fraser River, it's probably the biggest gravel removal in any salmon stream in the whole history of British Columbia. The Ministry of Environment told Global News the removal is intended to mitigate flood risk following the disaster of 2021 and that the work will be done in a way to minimize the effect on fish. Neither Work nor Rosenau are opposed to gravel removal in principle, but not this much and not in a spawning year. Rivers like the Vedder are natural gravel-producing machines, washing stones down from the nearby mountains. That gravel is critical habitat for spawning salmon, but it's also a valuable commodity for people. Well, Victoria didn't elaborate on who will do the work and where the gravel will go. One local contractor with experience in the field told us that much gravel could be worth between 10 and 15 million dollars. News about the project comes just a week after the province sent out some of its heavy hitters to talk about the millions they're spending to try and protect wild salmon in B.C. The kind of all-of-government effort Dean Work wants, but isn't seeing here. To protect, in the best of our ability, the future runs for the future generation of our salmon within our Fraser Valley. In Chilliwack, Paul Johnson, Global News. Favorable winds and cooler temperatures have Metro Vancouver lifting an air quality advisory. That advisory was issued yesterday as smoke and haze choked the region. Conditions have improved, but authorities warn the advisories could return as two wildfires continue to burn out of control near Harrison Lake. Well, heads up, it's dive bombing season. <laughs> when crows attack and why these birds are so angry right now. Plus, they may be third in name, but they're first in the steel industry. How this family has left its mark across BC. All right, Christy's back with a look at our weather forecast. We talked about how dry it is out there. And the uh, other problem, obviously, Christy, is it's very hot as well. So this is the third day in a row that we've broken daily records across the province. Today, the most exceptional with 19 records broken, most of them in the interior. Lytton was the hotspot across Canada at 38.5 degrees. And let me remind you, everyone, we're still in the early part of June. And so that's why the fire danger rating is this across the province, extreme in many areas. Now, we talked about the rainfall. The timing of the rainfall is a little uncertain. We are expecting a bit of rainfall across the southern part of Vancouver Island, very little for the rest of the region. 
We'll see some in Metro Vancouver region as well. And then it will shift further north into Saturday and then off into Alberta. So this is really only a two-day event. And we're talking about 10 millimeters, if that, in some of those lower impacted areas. Tumbler Ridge could see a few sprinkles as well, but the greatest impact will be in these areas here, uh, especially that southeastern corner. So uh, beyond that, we've got another ridge of high pressure that's going to build. So temperatures are expected to surge into the early part of next week. Again, that period will be short-lived before we start to see temperatures drop to more near seasonal values. Nonetheless, it's really only a minimal precipitation before we're back to hot, dry weather once again, not only across the south coast, but across all parts of the uh, interior also. So this is your tomorrow, everyone. Again, the timing of that moisture pushing in for southern regions tomorrow is a little uncertain, but we are expecting it at least by later in the day tomorrow and then overnight into our Saturday. But I think some areas will start to see a few sprinkles even earlier in the day. Big change in temperature, 17 degrees as our high uh, Friday. We are expecting some sunny breaks by late Saturday, and that's the transition back to that hot, dry weather once again. So as I mentioned, it's a short-lived event with not a lot of precipitation. Tonight's Centra, is win Centra Windows Weather Window coming to you from Port Alice. Alicia sending us that, and that was a sunset last night. Thanks so much, Alicia. Serenity now. Thank you, Christy. Mm -hmm. Well, in some parts of Metro Vancouver, you might need to carry an umbrella, not for the rain, but to protect you from dive-bombing crows. It's their season, and as Catherine Urquhart shows us, they're playing the role of angry birds. They're back. Those dive bombers that seem to appear out of nowhere. Oh, 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 oh. Nesting crows in West Vancouver are in full attack mode these days. <laughs> Josephine DeFreitas got swooped several times as she walked along Marine Drive. Perhaps surprisingly, she wasn't terribly bothered. I love crows. I've always fed the crows in my garden. Others who suffered a sudden assault were less understanding. I feel a scratch on the back of my head. I turn around, crow, like two inches away from my head. Just jump back like Jesus. These crows seem less like one seen in Hitchcock's The Birds and more like the characters in Angry Birds. This is gonna hurt. The brazen strikes left one man bleeding with an ice pack on his head. The inventor of crow tracks, which allows people to report swoopings, says some people do get hurt. Every year I get reports about uh, crows attacking people and hitting their heads and drawing blood, and sometimes the talons get stuck in the hair. Crow tracks reportings are on the rise everywhere now. It's that time of year. The experts say this is the solution. Let's give it a try. No umbrella? Tossing some peanuts might work. Just don't wave your arms around. The crows may consider you a threat. This lovely lady certainly didn't appear to be a threat. But the crows saw otherwise. I got hit in the head by a flying bird. <laughs> didn't feel nice. I'm going to buy a bottle of wine. <laughs> so beware. The angry birds are back. You've been warned. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Maybe the bird wanted some wine. Maybe that's what was going on. Maybe he's an angry drunk and he already got into the wine. He's definitely an angry bird. That's also a good point, Squire. He I might have already been in the wine. You can never tell. Right by a, those, a wine beer, store. those birds have no fear. I've seen them on golf courses chasing eagles around when you know the eagles could take care of them, but the eagles are even running away from them or flying away from them, as the case may be. Why they call them a murder of crows. Exactly. Um, right.
big night for the Whitecaps? Well, it was. And you know the nice thing about it, before we uh, hear from Vanny, there was actually a very good crowd there. I, I felt bad for the Whitecaps this year. They've played well at home, and they haven't had big crowds. But last night was a big crowd. Anyway, they are the Canadian champions for the second year in a row. The headline today would be, okay, Messi's coming, but the Whitecaps play even better than Messi. Okay, you could go with that. Uh, Ryan Gall was the guy who scored the winner on a penalty kick as the uh, Cavs continued their strong play at BC Place. Love his enthusiasm. Also ahead tonight. My grandfather and my father always did business on a handshake and we did what we said we were going to do. From humble beginnings to some of the biggest projects in the Pacific Northwest, what you might recognize that has the stamp of George III and Son. You ready? You're all organized? Well, does it not look like I'm ready? I don't know. You were just getting yourself organized. Oh, no. I'm, yes, I'm ready. Okay. Yes. I mean, not fully, but I'm close. Well, close enough to do this. Well, it's your turn, so okay. we're doing it. I'm ready to take my turn. Here we go. Uh, the Nathan Rourke era, as we all know, did not last very long with the BC Lions, but it still casts a big shadow over this team. It's Vernon Adams who now runs the offense. Of course, the Lions offense also lost Brian Burnham to retirement last year. The feeling is, though, BC still has enough weapons for Vernon Adams and whoever else quarterbacks BC. And they should be able to re remain one of the best teams in the CFL. And tonight, the regular season for the Lions and for the CFL is beginning in Calgary. And there is Vernon, who's gone from 8-3. to three. In the preseason, he went 12 for 12 in a game against the Stampeders, and he starts off the first drive of 2023 in the regular season going 9 for 9. It began with a Dominique Rimes catch. It ends with a Dominique Rimes catch. And that gives the Lions a 7-0 lead in the first quarter, and there would be another Rimes touchdown. They wouldn't get the extra point, though. BC is up 13-0 in the second over Calgary. Good start. Okay. The Vancouver Whitecaps are the best team in Canada for the second straight year. In a culture where trophies, even ones outside of league play, are coveted, winning back-to-back -back Canadian championships should help strengthen Vanny Sartini's case to get a new contract to coach the Vancouver Whitecaps. And it justifies him getting a tattoo. We showed you that the other day. He had a tattoo of the trophy that he won last year and again last night. It also, winning last night, justified... Let's just call it his half-Monty celebration, which he also did last year. It's not a Canadian championship win if I don't take off my jersey. So It's become a tradition for the Whitecaps, win a Canadian championship, and you're going to see Vanny topless. He did it last year for the first time against Toronto, and now the repeat performance after beating Montreal. This match ended 2-1, but it wasn't really that close. The Whitecaps dominated the first 80 minutes, and that's what Vanny loved about his team. They gave the shirts off their backs for each other to get this win. It's so satisfying. For a coach that you can't, you have no idea. It's even more satisfying than winning the cup, because it means that uh, these guys believe in this process, believe in what we're doing. And again, if we do this because these guys have a work ethic that is top level and a quality that is really high, we can do really, really something really, really beautiful. Of course, the Whitecaps don't like to do things the easy way. Montreal got life after a late goal to pull within one, making the final moments very nerve-wracking. Across from Corbo Ibrahim, Takahoka! 
it's kind of like the alarm bells were ringing a little bit and we started to panic a wee bit and uh, we did give up a few chances and all of us all you'll hear a drink after after that save and at the end it was very very scary if it means that uh, it feels even sweeter to win the cup like this why not Last season, the Caps used the momentum from their Canadian Championship win to make a huge playoff push that just fell short. This time, they have much higher goals in mind. You know, just getting into the playoffs, I don't think is enough for us. We're, we're starting to look um, as high up the table as we can and hope for good things for the club. We are a very, very good team. This year can be special. We harvested, harvested less than what we... Uh, plant so far. This year is going to be very, very, very special. All right, Adam Hadwin, a lot of BC players and Canadian players just outside of Toronto for the Canadian Open, which started today in Hadwin. One under par, actually the best BC player is Merritt's Roger Sloan, who finished at three under after 18 holes, but he didn't get any TV time. Surrey's Adam Svensson did, nice approach shot here. He was plus one, Nick Taylor was uh, plus three, and Taylor Durham, the Amateur, who we featured last week, was plus five. Corey Connors, one of the Canadians. It's a nice approach shot. He's in a four-way tie for first right now at five under par at the Canadian Open. All right, that's West Vancouver's Sam Reinhardt. Panthers back home trying to get back in this series against Vegas, which won the first two games. And it's Brandon Montour who would give Florida a one-nothing lead in the first period, early in the first period here. Matthew Kachuk... He likes to hit, but when you hit others, you will get hit yourself. Keegan Kolasar with a big one here. Kachuk actually left the game for a while, but he is back. Might have been a bit of a sore shoulder. And then before the end of the first period, power play. Another BC boy, Shea Theodore right there starting this. That finishes with a Mark Stone power play goal. Jonathan Marshall show has scored, and it's now 2-1 Vegas late in the second period. If they win this game, they go up 3-0, and then it's very difficult to come back. There you go. Thank you, Squire. Up next, the family business that helped build some of BC's most familiar landmarks. We'll show you next. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Well, what started as a small family business has made its mark on BC, and it's likely that you are familiar with a lot of their work. Jada Rand shows us how George Third and Sons first began and how they've helped to build so many BC landmarks. Now a staple in the steel industry, George Third and Son came from very humble beginnings 113 years ago when a Scottish blacksmith stepped off the train in Vancouver and immediately found a job. And he walked across the street to uh, 1019 Main Street and there was a blacksmith shop. So the guy said, you're exactly what I need, a journeyman blacksmith, and uh, you can start right away. A year later, Rob Third's grandfather, George, bought the shop for $50 and started building the business, becoming an expert in shoeing Clydesdale horses. Working on wagons, which was sort of considered transportation, and the, and the horses, that was the main thing they would do. Later on, the business uh, grew and, and they would do things like fire escapes. George's son, Bruce, came on board in 1939 and the expansion continued. 
they were, uh, you know, a good one-two punch. My dad was more of the, you know, worked around the office and got things going. The company's stamp is now on some of the most recognizable constructions around BC. Transferred the um, Vancouver Courthouse to the Vancouver Art Gallery that it is now. Lionsgate Bridge retrofit and widening. A lot of the SkyTrain stations, the uh, Whistler Olympic ski jump. The young blacksmith that moved to Vancouver in 1909 never quit. George was made of steel. He kept working into his 80s. I worked in the shop when I was 14. And my grandfather was 82 and he was still swinging a hammer in the blacksmith shop. Leaving a legacy that has led to steel fabricating on some of the biggest projects in the Pacific Northwest. We did the Canucks Arena, we did Seahawks Stadium, and we did Mariners Stadium. We've come a long way from where uh, my grandfather started shoeing horses and fixing buggies. Jay Durant, Global News. I don't, Squire, you don't like heights, do you? That job's not for me. <laughs> if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. I have great admiration for the people who build skyscrapers mm -hmm. and tall structures because there's no way I'd go above the first floor. It's like, or wash nope. windows. If it was me building those things, the entire town would be first floor buildings. That's it. <laughs> One floor. You'd like to be right ranchers down here. all yeah. around. That's right. All ranchers. right. Stick with BC One and News at 11 tonight for updates on the fire situation in BC. Thanks for joining us. Good night, all.